First uh, Corinthians nine. If you want to turn your Bibles there, if you have them, otherwise, I'll just read it, and we'll follow through, and uh, hopefully, we'll get. It's funny. I really don't like to use a mic because I like to use my hands. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start out here with First Corinthians nine, uh, and I'm not reading from the ASV, which happened to pop up. I had it on NLT. I don't know what happened. Okay, here we go. Okay, ready? Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, I pray for revelation tonight to come to each and every person. And uh, Holy Spirit, do your work. You're the teacher. Ready? 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, uh, am I not as free as anyone else? This is Paul writing this. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work? Just jumped. What happened here? <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, hold on. It went back to ASV. Ah, okay, thank you, Lord. I guess. Okay, here we go. Am I not as free as anyone else? I'm not. Uh, am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. Now, oh, thank you. <laughs> we got double. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Marcus. Give Marcus a hand, would you? All right. Way to hang in there, bro. <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, uh, what is an apostle? You know, there's a lot of talk about apostles. And are there apostles today? You can put that slide up if you can find it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about apostles today. Who's an apostle? Are there apostles today? What do you think? There are. There are. A lot of people think there aren't, though. They think only the, the apostles were at the time of Jesus and the time of Paul. And uh, that one of the prerequisites, you had to see Jesus. And Paul says, I, you know, he saw Jesus. Now, he didn't see him when he was walking on the earth, he saw him, you know, when, when on the road to Damascus, when Jesus had already was arisen, Lord, when he came to him. But, uh, but anyway, what, what is an apostle? Well, it's interesting. An apostle really is uh, the word, in fact, you can put up the, the next slide. Uh, the word is, <laughs> you'll see it up here. Apostolos is the Greek word. Uh, for, in fact, the English word is just, is just taking the, the Greek word and just, made it English. So uh, it's, it's the word for sent one. The, the actual meaning is sent one, somebody sent. Jesus was the first apostle to come from God to this earth. And then the apostles are sent out by God, but sent out from the earth to make an, a difference. And also, it's interesting, the Roman Empire, they, they, before Jesus, they would call those uh, emissaries or, or ambassadors that they would send to a, a town that they had taken over, a city they'd taken over, they would send in their apostles. And the idea was those apostles would inculcate the, the, the people of that town. They were probably of a different culture and different language, but they would bring in the Roman culture and they would bring them into a lifestyle as a Roman. And, uh, and so the apostles really had that role uh, to really bring the gospel and bring people into a place of relationship with Jesus and transforming the culture. And so uh, it's really interesting because, it, you know, 
there were a lot of apostles. Now, there were the 12 apostles, and one of them was a jerk. Do you know who that was? Judas was a jerk. And Judas ended up, you know, uh, well, he ended up kind of disqualifying himself as an apostle. Uh, and, and then they drew straws. But many believe that Paul was really the 12th apostle, that he was the one that filled that spot. But there are, have been apostles. And it's interesting, uh, it says in Ephesians 2.20 that the church, it, the foundation is built on the apostles and the prophets, yet Jesus was the cornerstone. And so uh, apostles are very important. If you look at Ephesians 4, there's the five-fold ministry gift. There's the apostle, there's the prophet, you know, the pointing finger. Uh, there's the evangelist, which reaches the furthest out. I won't hold that up alone for reasons that you can figure out. Uh, the, uh, this finger represents the ring finger or the pastor, and then this represents the, teach, the teacher. And that's the five-fold ministry that's to equip the body to do the work of the ministry. Now, one of the things I want you to see is, and there's, you know, you don't have to put this slide up, the one we had trouble with, because I'm afraid everything might go down. But uh, Andronicus and Junia, Junia were, they were Jews that spent time in prison with Paul, and they were highly respected among the apostles. They were apostles themselves and became followers of Jesus, and Paul said even before he did. And so the bottom line was that, you know, there were a lot. Now, Paul writes, and he, he says that he's an apostle. It's really interesting. Today, there are self-proclaimed apostles. I remember several years ago, uh, we, we had moved into this building, I believe, but uh, we had a lady who was an intercessor here, and the head intercessor for a well-known guy who actually spoke at Promise Speakers quite a bit, uh, he was a self-proclaimed prophet, I mean, a self-proclaimed apostle, and he came here, and I remember uh, he laid out everything he wanted. He wanted X amount of dollars. <clears throat> he wanted to stay at the Inverness Hotel. He wanted me to set up golf for him, which I did. He also wanted to be picked up in a limousine. That's where I drew the line. And so he, I picked him up in my limousine, which was no limousine, trust me. Anyway, and, uh, and so uh, he goes, well, where's the limo? I said, well, this is it, and I'm the limo driver. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it's interesting. When you look at Paul, if he was the, the replica of an apostle, I think there's a lot of self-proclaimed apostles today that could learn a lot from Paul. And, uh, you know, and he says in 2 Corinthians, you could put this scripture up, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 10 through 12. He says, for some say, and this is, let, let me just say this too. Uh, the first question I ask is, what is an apostle? And the second part of that is, why does Paul defend his apostleship? And the reason he defended his apostleship was because he was attacked. He was attacked by the so-called super apostles. They were the self-proclaimed apostles. Some of them were false apostles, but they, they were the super apostles, and they came against him. And they said things like, you know, he's, he was a, Paul was a little guy. Actually, the word Paul, Paulus in the Greek means little one. And, uh, and so he was renamed that, which probably didn't really excite him when they gave him that name, but uh, when he was given that name. But the truth is, uh, he was a little guy, and apparently he wasn't a very good preacher. Uh, in the book of Acts, he was preaching one night, and there was a guy named 
uh, Eutychus, I think his name was, he was sitting in the, I think, third story window, and Paul was such a boring preacher that he fell out of the window. He died, but Paul had a tremendous anointing on his life, and he raised him from the dead. And uh, they all went up, and nobody went home that night. Uh, you know, if you see somebody raised from the dead, you're probably not going to leave. You want to kind of hang out because you know God's there, you know. Just in case you bit the, bite, bite the dust that night, you'd know it'd be okay because you'd be back. Anyway, uh, the thing is here, uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 10 through 12, it says, For some say, and this is the, some of the, the false apostles or the super apostles said, For some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak and his speeches are worthless. Actually, it's a different word in the Greek, which I won't really give you the, but it's, it's a bad word. Anyway, uh, these people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful as what we say in our letters from far away. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare, and this is a little sarcasm comes out here, you'll see in Paul. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men, referring to the super apostles, uh, who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. You know, Paul was, he was a little sarcastic here because uh, these guys were really, they, they, were, they were dogging him and always putting him down and really making his life miserable. And uh, they, they really looked down on, the, on his lifestyle. But you'll see, uh, and I don't have time to go there tonight, but in in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, actually Paul goes, uh, chapter 11 really, and then it goes into 12, but chapter 11, he talks about all the difficulties he went through. Uh, he was given 39 lashes several times by the Jews, 40 kills you. Uh, I mean, he didn't have enough to stay warm at times. Uh, he didn't have enough food to eat. He was hungry. Uh, he was cold. And there were times when those that were closest to him left him. They left him. They betrayed him. They let, and, and so he went through such struggles. And he had been, you know, he had had such an easy life when he was, when he was the foster of Judaism, when he was in the, Judeus, the Judea, Judea, Judaic culture, and he was a Jew and, you know, really was one of the, form, one of the foremost authorities on the law. In fact, he studied under Gamaliel. Many believe he was on the Sanhedrin. And uh, he was really one of the top people. And he was the one that they chose to persecute this upstart uh, cult, they called it, of Christianity. And, uh, and yet he had that incredible encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Totally transformed his life. And, uh, and so the thing I want you to see here, though, is that Paul, the Apostle Paul... Uh, really went through so much. And I think the other, the super apostles felt like because he went through this that he really wasn't a real true apostle. But the apostle Paul said, I'm going to glory in my weaknesses and my struggles uh, because that's where I really discovered the true power of God. Uh, and Paul was an incredible, you know, when you think about it, he wrote mo much of the, the writings we have from the New Testament, he wrote from prison. I spent 19 days in an Israeli prison, and I got to tell you, uh, I'll be honest with you, I know they're a lot better now than, and this was several years ago, before I was a Christian, I'm not going to go into the story, but anyway, I can tell you, it was not, it was not, it wasn't even uh, Motel 6, I mean, it was really, really bad, it was like so bad, and you can imagine back in his time how bad uh, those prisons were, yet he wrote almost all his letters came when he was in prison, I think of that. 
I mean, think of the struggle. But thank God he went in prison because I think if he hadn't gone to prison, uh, he wouldn't have had the time to write the letters because he was always on the road. He was always traveling. He was always, he was so busy. And, uh, you know, God used that prison experience uh, for us to get much of the New Testament. And so we can be thankful. Uh, You know, and and I'm going to go back to where I was in 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to move over to verse 3 now. It says, this is my answer to those who question my authority. In other words, this is all those that were questioning his authority. And so he, uh, he, he comes back and he, and he says, and, and, and then he, he goes into all the things. And I'm just going to read this. It's a long passage, so stick with me. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 4, all the way down to about 18. And just follow with me. It says this. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Now, he's talking basically about the rights of an apostle. And the question is, why would Paul give up these rights? But I'll, I'll tell you in a minute why he would. But, but I just want you to hear this. Uh, because they said he didn't have the right. He didn't have the right to do that. And uh, gosh, what is going on with this? Okay, here we go. Okay, I got it. So uh, he goes on to say this. Uh, don't we have the, the right to bring a believing wife with us as other apostles and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? Now, Paul knew the law inside and out, and now he quotes something from the law, from the law of Moses. For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Then he goes on to say, since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. So the question, the answer here is why would Paul give up his rights as an apostle? Because he wasn't going to use this. He doesn't want anything to block the ability of getting the gospel, the good news out to people. That was his whole entire heart. And then he goes on to say this. Um, let's see. Since we have, did I read that part? Since we have planted uh, spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to, I already read that. Okay, if you support others who who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything. I already read that. Okay, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet, I've never used any of these rights, and I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. 
Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Now, did, was, did Paul, would he ever receive any offerings? Did he ever? Do you guys know? He absolutely did. He did, but he never demanded it. He didn't demand like the, the, the so-called self-proclaimed apostle demanded how much he wanted, where he was going to live, I mean, where he was going to stay, uh, the golf set up, the, the limo to take to and from the airport. Uh, that's, not, that's not Paul. That's not the, the Paul the apostle. He, he was not like that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the fact is, though, when you think about it, Paul had a tent ministry, like he made tents on the side. And so that helped to, to get him through, but, but people also did. In fact, it was the Philippians uh, that, that he loved so much because they really did, really did help his ministry. They really brought funds and everything, but he never asked for it. He never demanded it. He just trusted God. And he, I mean, what an amazing person he was. And, uh, and so he goes on to say this, uh, even though I'm a free man with no master, uh, oh, let, let me just, before I do that, um, let me just stop here for a minute and just ask, do you, get, do you have any questions at all? Because I, I, move, I moved quickly through that whole passage. Any, any questions at all before I move? Yes, yeah, Steve. So, why did you uh, allow that? Good question. Yeah. Well, here's why. Because we had a lady who was a really good friend of ours, and her mother was his chief intercessor. She set the whole thing up. And had I done anything, you know, it, it would have really ruined our relationship with her. So I just had to suck it up. But it was not fun. Well, no, yeah, it just, he just came in for the weekend. Yeah, he spoke on Sunday, I think it was Saturday, we had Saturday night service and uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, two services, then he did Sunday night. So yeah, it wasn't, no, he, no, he just came in for the weekend. No, yeah, well, no, we never had him back. And don't ask me his name because I'm not telling you, but you might know who he is. But anyway, the bottom line is uh, it was a good lesson for me. It was a good lesson, you know, because sometimes self-proclaimed uh, whatever they might be uh, have a huge ego, and they, you know, they, they want it fed. And, uh, but the neat thing about the Apostle Paul, he was just so, so surrendered to Jesus. He was so committed, and he, and he set such a powerful example that's what an apostle looks like. And a true apostle, I believe, lots of times goes through a lot of persecution and suffering. You know, and, and uh, you know, I remember somebody, a few people told me I was an apostle. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, that may be, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm not going to proclaim myself as an apostle. You know, and I think I was primarily a pastor. You know, I did some apostolic things. But, yeah, question. Well, you know, there's a lot of different definitions of an apostle. The bottom line is the apostle, the, the meaning is sent one. It, God sends them, and lots of times, remember the fivefold ministry I talked to you about? The apostle helps the other ministries to flow, helps the, the prophet, the evangelist, the, the pastor, and the teacher. Uh, he helps everything to flow, and he's like an overseer over everything. You know, he helps, he helps everything to flow, but usually an apostle will travel, and lots of times they will plant churches. 
because of their influence. They have a strong influence. I don't know if, they, if that's a prerequisite. Um, I know that it used to be in the early, the very early days, they had to be able to see Jesus or walk with him to be an apostle. That's obviously not the case anymore because Jesus hadn't been around for 2,000 years. And uh, so the bottom line is, uh, you know, I think it's really important to really realize that apostles are something that are still here today, and yet uh, they're defined in many different ways. And so... (laughs) I'll let you figure out exactly the definition of an apostle because I think it's really hard to define, but it's a person who has a lot of influence, a lot of impact, and really probably is beyond their own church. They, they have an influence over a region or a region or regions, and oftentimes they do plant churches. And you know, Some people say that apostles are, uh, are missionaries that go into an area and have a big impact where, you know, and, and that can be too. So anyway, I think it's not as clearly defined now as it was. But back in the day of Paul, he had to define it because there were those coming against him and saying he didn't qualify as, 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 you know, as an apostle. And yet he, he qualified more than any of them. Now, let's go a little further here. Uh, in verse, I'm sorry, you have another question? Yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Some people proclaim themselves as an apostle. They may or not may not be apostle. Just because they proclaim themselves as an apostle and they call themselves an apostle doesn't mean they are. I, you know, I don't know what, why they're doing it, but who knows? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They did a lot of miracles, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people did. Yeah, yeah, apostles operated in the supernatural. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to keep moving here. Um, so before I go any further, um, I ended with verse, um, verse 18. I'm going to pick it up at 19. Before I do that, you can hit the next, uh, you know, the next slide. What was Paul's secret to reaching people with the good news? Uh, the Apostle Paul, well, whoops, let's go back. Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, oh, yeah, why don't you put that up? Good. That's one I forgot to, yeah, put that back up. Yeah, this Paul also uh, wrote in Romans 11. He said, I am saying all this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as an apostle to who? Now, this is amazing to me. Uh, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. He st- I said, I stress this, for I want someone to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have so I might save some of them. Now, here's the amazing thing. If I was, if I was God, I would have sent Paul to the Jews. Why? Because he understood the law better than anybody. He was Jewish himself. But God sent him to the Gentiles, which blows my mind. But this is kind of neat. He goes... I was sent to the Gentiles so I could make the Jews jealous when they saw how blessed and, you know, all the things that you were. And, so, and yet he had a tremendous heart for the Jews, but he got sent to the Gentiles. And that always kind of, I always thought, man, he would have been the perfect guy to send to the Jews. So don't figure just because you're a certain way doesn't mean God doesn't want you to touch other people. I think you really need to see that because Paul would have gone, hey, I'm the perfect guy to send to the Jews. 
God, why are you sending me to the Gentiles? But he did, and he had a tremendous impact. Now, uh, if you look at, at uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, you'll see there, uh, I, I want you to see here, we're going to pick up the secret, Paul's secret, to reaching people with the good news. I believe we can learn a lot from this. He says this, even though I'm a free man with no, with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. I believe that's the secret, number one. He saw himself not as over, not as better, not as over. He saw himself as a slave, uh, as a servant, as someone who was called from the bottom up to all people to bring many to Christ. He didn't have this big ego. Uh, he was humble. He was incredibly humble. You know, and that humility caused him to see people as the most valuable thing on the earth. He wasn't into money. He wasn't into having a, a, a you know, a new donkey that he could ride on. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he, he wasn't into staying in the most lavish places. He just wanted to reach people for Christ. And so he saw himself as a slave to this. And, and he saw it as a good way. He didn't see it as a slave in a bad way. He saw, I got to do this. This is my, my whole destiny. I have to do this. Even if I don't have enough money, even if I'm being given 30, you know, 20, you know, 39 lashes, and even if I'm stoned to death, which he was and raised from the dead, he goes, you know, no matter what I have to suffer, this is what I'm called to do. And so I think we need to recognize that we're not called necessarily on this earth to be comfortable. There's something in our culture we think, well, the more comfort we have, uh, you know, the better we're doing. I just want you to know that comfort is not, when you get to heaven, I don't think when you look back, I don't think comfort is the thing that's going to stand out. I really think it's the things where, where you've been able to impact other people uh, for Jesus Christ. I think that's what's going to really stand out. And maybe some of the sufferings you've gone through, you'll see in a whole different light, and it's all worth it. As Paul said, you know, these light momentary afflictions... Are, are so worth it to the weight of glory we'll receive. Well, his light momentary reflections were not light and they weren't momentary. They were really heavy. And, uh, and so the bottom line is I think it, it, you know, if we can see things that way. So first of all, number one, he was humble. Um, and number two, number two, we're going to find right here. And I'm going to let you see if you can pick this out. Uh, <clears throat> when I was with the Jews... I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those fellow, when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Now notice, he said, I'm not subject to the law, but I'm going to live as though I'm under the law. What did that mean? It meant when he ate with them, you know, he wouldn't eat pork. He wouldn't eat certain foods. He would, he would do things under the Jewish dietary laws. He would do things he would worship in, in, the, in the synagogue with him. He would do those things. Now, a lot of people look at that as compromise. Paul, why are you compromising? And he'd just very tell you, very plain and simple, I'm doing it because I'm trying to reach these people for Christ. And if I come in, you know, acting like a Gentile and everything, they're not even going to let me, you know, they're not going to let me in their inner circle. But this way, I, and so, so listen to this. This is really big because I think lots of times we think we're compromising when, 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 we, when we come that way. You know. And then he goes on to this. He says, uh, he goes, he says even though, uh, okay, he said, uh, when I am with Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God 
I obey the law of Christ. Now, I want to stop right there. Now, it doesn't mean that he became a sinner to win the sinner. You got it? In the same way, Jesus ate with sinners and he drank wine. In fact, he was accused of being a wine-bibber. But he wasn't a drunk. He didn't get drunk because the scripture makes it clear that drunkenness is sin. But he drank wine with him. He hung out with the sinners. He went to Zacchaeus' house. He went to sinners' homes. He had dinner with them. He was not afraid to mix it up with the sinners. And, and the key in this is, you know, sometimes we get so holy that we're afraid to lower ourselves to reach out to people who really need Jesus. And that's just sad. That's just, it's just sad. I mean, I, I forgot I was in church for a minute and I almost said something I shouldn't have. But anyway, <laughs> but it's stupid. It really is stupid. And, and, and if we're here to win people for Christ, then we got to, you know, you can't love a person if you feel better than they are and you're acting better and you don't want to have anything to do with their culture. You know, you've got to really enter in. You've got to really, you know, try to, to, to be where they are. And so, uh, why don't you put up that, put up the next slide, if you would, and, uh, and, and you'll see, I'm going to give you three, um, there's five things that Paul talks about if we're going to reach people for Christ. Number one, be what? Be humble. Be humble. And you can't put on, it's not fake humility. Being humble is being totally dependent on God and seeing other people as good as yourself or even better. That's what humble is. The Pharisees were not humble. They thought they were better than everybody else. They were the only ones that Jesus had problems with. And they had problems with Jesus. So what does that tell you? Number two, become like them, finding common ground. Now that's what Paul says, that he tried to find common ground. When you're, when you're sharing, you know, talking with somebody, try to find common ground. I know, for me, one of the things, I love sports. And I find that sports is a way to communicate with guys who may not be into Jesus. It's amazing how you can build rapport in that area. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be in, in sports to try to reach other guys. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying I find, and I love to talk about sports. You know, I love to talk about football in particular. And there's a lot of guys that love to do that. And it's amazing how that gives you an inroad into, you know, where the conversation shifts over. And the next thing you know, you're talking about Jesus. And, and, uh, and, and I got to tell you, it... The thing is, I think you have to be really authentic when you're talking to somebody. You can't have this agenda, well, I'm going to talk about sports so I can bring them to Jesus. I think you have to be authentic enough to be able to say, hey, you know, really get into what you're doing and talking about it. And then if Jesus comes into the conversation, let him come in, but don't force the issue. Because when you force the issue, it, people can tell when it's, when it's not real. And, uh, you know, and, and I have found in my own life that it's so important to connect with people. And, uh, and so the third thing, and Paul says this, uh, I just lost my screen. Uh, <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, good. And uh, so what verse was I in? Does anybody know? <laughs> what was it? 22, okay. So I just finished 22? Okay, I'm at 22, okay. When I am with those who are weak, oh wait, first of all, let me just say this. He said uh, back in the end of verse 21, but I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. I don't ignore the law of God. In other words, I don't sin in order to win the sinner. But what I do is I obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Anybody want to tell me? Love 
No, no, you've said too much already. I've got to have somebody else. <laughs> okay, somebody else. What's the law of Christ? What is it? What is it? Okay, love one another as I've loved you. Uh, John 13, 34, 35. Uh, you know, love one another as I've loved you. He said, this is the way you'll know, they'll know you're, you're my disciple. Here's another scripture in uh, Galatians 6, 2. Galatians 6, 2. Does anybody know what that says? You haven't memorized the Bible yet? Come on. <laughs> uh, Galatians 6, 2 says, um, <laughs> what does it say? <laughs> I knew earlier tonight. What's it say? No, 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 no. Doesn't say that, but that's a good, good try. That's a good try, though. Does anybody know what it says? Okay. Say it again. Did you hear that? Bear one another's burdens or carry one another's burdens, and then you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's just another way of saying love one another as I have loved you. Bear one another's burdens. In other words, don't be afraid to come alongside somebody that's struggling. Don't be afraid to, to, to share your heart with other people. You, know, don't, you don't have to stay isolated. You know, it's important to, to be willing to bear one another's burdens. And, and that is out of love. And so it's so important to stay. And, you know, it, I, I got to tell you that it's so, so important. That law of Christ is very important. Uh, also, he goes on to say this. And by the way, I've got things a little backwards. Put up the next slide, if you would, please. And then we'll go back to this slide. Love like Jesus, love like Jesus, Galatians uh, 6.2, love like Jesus, that's, you know, bear one another's burdens, or uh, John 13, 34, 35, uh, those are really important. So if we're going to love people, you know, I got to tell you, this is so important. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I, I've said that before, but it's really true when you show concern for somebody, you don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes we think, well, I got to have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. And so don't pretend to have all the answers, but you don't need to have all the answers. Sometimes people just need somebody to listen to them. And so I just want to encourage in the midst of all this, uh, you know, just be real. Go back to the other slide, if you would, please. And uh, number three, and you're going to see this come up. Number three, the third thing is stay focused on the eternal purpose. And Paul does this when he goes on to say in verse, uh, let's see, 23. Uh, yes, he says, I, I find common ground. Then he, in 23, he says, I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for a what? An eternal, I'm sorry, you're going, I thought it was up here on the screen. It's not, for an eternal prize. See, the eternal prize is those people that come to Christ. That's an eternal prize. You can't take any of the stuff with you on this earth. You know, I've never yet, I've done a lot of funerals in my life. I've never seen, you know, a hearse with a U-Haul on the back. You know, you're not taking it with you. It's not, it's not going there. However, you can lead people to Christ and you'll see them in heaven. Now think about that. That's powerful. That's an eternal prize. That's a prize that the enemy can't steal. And it's, an enemy, it's, a, it's a prize that no one can steal. So again, stay focused on the eternal purpose. Okay, let's bump over to uh, the, the other slide. I had three and four I had out of, out of whack and uh, I didn't have time to switch them. But anyway, you got it. 
Okay, number four, we've got love like Jesus. And then number five is what? Okay, be disciplined. Now listen to what he says here. Um, he's just talked about going for an eternal prize, not just a temporary prize, which, which that's what athletes get. Uh, and so, so he says, so I run with purpose in every step. Again, that eternal purpose. I'm not just shadow boxing. I dis- now here's the part I want you to hear. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. In other words, he said, I train myself. I train myself, you know, and I train my body. So not only can I make these missionary journeys, but also so I don't do something stupid. I don't fall into sin and become disqualified. I don't do dumb things. And by the way, if you fall into sin, there's always God's grace if you turn to it. You just need to know that. Some people fall into sin and then they try to justify the sin that we have an advocate with the Father for the propitiation is the big word for our sin. Uh, And the key is that we have to know that so when we make a mistake and we catch ourselves before we get deep into it and we turn to him and the grace of God cleans us and freshes us and we just get back right with him and we don't lose our divine purpose. And so it's really key. I want to just go back over these five things again. Number one, be humble. Number one, be humble. That means don't consider yourself better than others. Don't consider yourself, you know, and and look to others as really being so important. Number two, become like them, finding common ground. In other words, when you're with somebody, uh, when you're with a guy that likes sports, then, you know, don't go, well, I'm not into sports, man. I'm just into Jesus. Well, that's probably not going to really work well for him, you know. I remember, I remember when I first got saved, I went to this church and I had to sign a, a thing, 17 things I would, would and would not do. And one of the things was not drink. I wasn't supposed to, uh, you know, I said I wouldn't smoke, I wouldn't go to the movies, I wouldn't dance, wouldn't, anyway. And I was into all those things. Anyway, so I just thought that was Christianity because I didn't grow up as Christian. And so I remember there was a DJ that lived next to us, and this was in Pacific Grove, California, right next to Monterey. And he was a neat guy. And, you know, I remember... <laughs> Right after I signed this form, he, he, he says, hey, we're having a big cake party tomorrow night. It was Saturday night. Why don't you come over? And I went, well, I'm a Christian now, and I don't drink. And I thought, he'll be so impressed. <laughs> he never talked to me again. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> anyway, the, the truth is sometimes you have to learn the hard way. And that was a legalistic church, and it was off. But anyway, I didn't know that. So, uh, but I, I lost a friend because <laughs> I thought I was so holy. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. N- number three is stay focused on the eternal purpose. Don't lose your eternal purpose. Yeah, we have, we have temporary purposes with our life, but the real purpose is bringing people to Christ, helping them to grow in Christ. I mean, that's what it all, that's really what it's about. And that's what Paul gave his life to. And that's what he suffered for. And he was willing and happy to suffer for. And then we got to love like Jesus. We've got to care about those people. We can't just, you know, think of them as a notch on our belt or think of them as just maybe some, you know. We need to really love those people. And it's so important. Jesus loved, he loved so deeply. People were drawn to him. And, uh, and that's what changes everything. Love is the, f- the thing that changes everything. And then num- number five, it's really important to be disciplined. You know, we have temptations that come into our life. We all do. We all have things that try to pull us away from that eternal purpose. And so I just encourage you, you know, uh, you know it, it's, it's great to, to walk in the fullness of that discipline. And it's not just exercising. It's not just doing that important exercise of pushing away from the table. Uh, it's